FIS Castaway, the podcast keeping you in the know about the shipping and commodity world. To keep up to date, sign up to our FIS Live app at www.fis-live.com or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Hello, back to Castaway, FIS's freight and commodity podcast. It's Wednesday, the 7th of July, and I have Theo and Kerry with me. We're going to be talking about our main markets, a nice big quick update on the freight, iron ore, and fuel and oil markets for you. So first of all, going into what's happened in the news, market settlements, and then a bit more in depth on the main markets. So this week, what's happened in the news? North and South Korea restored a key communication line, signaling a potential thaw in relations between the two countries. US President Biden confirmed that American combat operations in Iraq will finish at the end of this year. South Korea posted a 5.9% increase in its GDP year on year. Uh, The US and UK blamed Iran for a deadly tanker attack off Oman. Uh, Singapore is to grant the first crypto license in attempt to grab new digital markets. And we also heard the CME launching its voluntary carbon contract. And Theo, you've got a little bit more on that. Yeah, uh, yeah, that, that happened actually on the uh, 1st of August. CME launched their voluntary carbon market contract. That's the NGO contract, which is a nature-based global emissions offset. Um, but this is a highly quality carbon futures product because it's simple, and simply it actually meets uh, emission reduction targets using high-quality nature-based offsets sourced exclusively from agriculture, forestry, and other land projects. So the first trade was done for 200,000 tonnes at a figure of uh, $5.40 US dollars. And the interesting thing about this uh, product is that it uses, of course, the registry, the VCS registry, which is the Verified Carbon Standard. And this is the world's most highly used voluntary greenhouse gas emission program. So nearly 1,700 verified VCS projects have collectively reduced about 360 million tonnes of carbon and other greenhouse gas greenhouse gas emissions from the atmosphere. So this product seems to be quite an interesting product which ha- could put- is potentially a game changer for the voluntary carbon markets. And uh, FIS, we aim to become a leading broker in this and service provider in this voluntary carbon markets. Uh, the carbon markets play an important role for, uh, for us to fight, for our companies and uh, clients to fight against climate change. And they will deliver a significant increase um, to the benefits of Greenhouse gas emission reductions. Well, really exciting new contracts exactly, coming online. Exactly. Um, but moving into settlements, what are the markets done week on week? This is obviously Tuesday the 27th settlement versus Tuesday the 3rd. Uh, oil and products, Brent down 2.7% after the month rolled, 72.25 closing. Rot 3.5%, the highest off fuel oil, 38260 down 2.7% also. Uh, the Sing 380 down 1.2%, 39960, both under the 400 mark now. Uh, the 0.5% fuels, ROP 0.549872, down 1.7%. Uh, the SING 0.5, minus 1.3%, 518.97. And the high fives have gone different ways. ROP high five going up, 1.8%, 1.16 now. And the SING high five down 2.5%, or $3 to one. 19. Kerry, what about the freight indexes? Well, the Cape 5 TC average is up uh, at 35,216. That's a rise of 3,336 bucks, so 10.46% in the last week. Panamax, on the other hand, moved slightly the other way. Uh, the 4 TC average at 28,430. That is down 1438 or 4.81%. And Theo, what about the uh, iron ore? Uh, in the iron ore markets, the plat 62% yesterday, 
still at $184.15, which is down $16.30 week on week or 8.13%. The fast market 65% index yesterday was at $215.10, which is down $20 week on week, which is 8.51%. And the uh, spread 65 by 62 uh, yesterday sold at $30.95, which is down $3.70, and that's 10.68% week on week. And then to round off the index is TC2 up 15.1%, 14639, some movement in tanker markets for once. And TC5, 8893, up 0.4%. Uh, TD3C, the VLs, down 0.9%, uh, 3152. TD25, up 0.1%, 6750 closing. And the last one, the EUA future, obviously linking into carbon, what Theo was outlining with that news story from CME uh, last week. It was 52.91 euros and is now closed last night at 54.19 or up 2.4%. But looking more into kind of in-depth of what happened, there's been some big moves on that iron ore, Theo. What are we actually seeing behind the reasons for, for this drop-off? We've got that 62% now below the $200 mark. Yeah, it's uh, in the last two weeks, it's dropped about 40 bucks, so $20 every seven days. So it seems that um, uh, the last couple of weeks, the Chinese government has been sending mixed messages on the uh, carbon emissions, and uh, that's, that's actually set the markets into a spin. I mean, last week, the government announced that their latest statement, that's how it be, it's ambitious with its peak emissions by, to reju- reduce them by 2030, and how it will affect the steel production. But after signaling an aggressive approach to cr- climate change, the government now is suggesting the opposite should happen. So in a meeting last week, the government concluded that local governments are moving too aggressively to meet the perceived political targets to slash steel production in order to meet these climate changes. And it seems that that this is a commonplace in China because local officials seem to usually interpret or over-interpret directives from the uh, government. Incidentally, I tell you, this happened in 2017 and this had uh, in the coal market where they where kids were uh, left freezing in classrooms in the north because local officials took it literally to stop using coal. So um, the government was worried about the implications of the dramatic cuts in steel production at the time when the uh, Chinese post-pandemic recovery was slowing and issued a short summary late on Friday which said it was opposed to aggressive measures to reduce emissions. So more specifically, it called for an end to this campaign-style measure to tackle this problem. And that, it seems, indicated there is no need for China to take dramatic measures to reduce carbon emissions, including in the steel sector. So the implication of this statement for China's steel producers and therefore demand on iron ore saw steel futures fall on Monday on the news and that, cut, that, uh, that there, were, there were no massive cuts in steel production expected and the flow was of course correlated to the uh, the drop in the iron ore markets as well so china's steel uh, figures for for the first half of this year rose 12 percent in the first half and there were expectations there were expectations that this would drop dramatically in the second half to comply with these emission reduction plans and steel producers were already curtailing production and overseas sales however this announcement appears to have given steel producers some leeway to avoid aggressive cuts and then the market's now adjusting forecasts to factor an increase in steel production for the full year. Production, though, should fall in the second half, but nowhere near that 13% that the market was factoring in. And that's pretty much how, how the market played out this uh, fall in the market's uh, prices.
And, and actually, there's also a contributing factor here, Theo, isn't there, which is um, I think that the rebar market in particular, the Shanghai rebar market, the onshore that is, has been very much spooked by the prospect of the new virus outbreak in China. Now, there are travel restrictions of some form in place at this point for 12 different provinces, I believe, uh, in order to control this outbreak of the Delta variant. And I do think that's also psychologically weighing on the uh, steel futures market as people assess demand for later this year against the potential risk of further lockdowns. Yeah, yeah that definitely factor that in as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, then throw in all the other problems in terms of the U.S. Obviously, great concern about the Delta variant. Which exactly, exactly. the U.S., which is which is far worse off than China at this point in terms of the Delta variant spreading. Oh so, well, yeah. I mean, we could talk about the specific <laughs> level of, of vaccinations and what yeah, they're vaccinating but, uh, yeah. with, but. Uh, but. Uh, Interesting looking forward, but uh, no, so movements down. And uh, talking of movements down, we've seen that in the oil and products market as well. Uh, after the month roll, we've seen a drop in crude prices. And if you take the roll into account, we have fallen around about 11 bucks on fuel oils and gas oils, both uh, since the last podcast. And this comes after July's monthly average, which had marked four months on the bounce of gains. So it's not too much of a turnaround, probably more of a pause. If you look at where we were four months ago, moving up, so pretty positive end to the July, which we saw at the uh, the end of of last week, uh, coming into a fall, which we've seen at the start of August into this. So uh, not too much of a surprise, uh, as we noted last week, really of of what's happening. The a lot of this will be based on what we discussed of the OPEC hike, monthly supplies of four hundred thousand barrels extra a day. This comes um, as the, from the first of August. We've also got the problems of uh, the COVID-19 concerns about what's happening there and whether the market will actually be able to absorb those additional barrels. If we do have more of a problem, as is outlined with this outbreak in China, and everything yeah. else, they were the ones that led the recovery in oil prices originally, uh, getting back online and posting record levels of imports of, of crude. So that must be a concern as well for those oil producers. Uh, with the continuing Delta variant. Um, latest positioning data for Ice Brent, though, does show that speculators increased their net long positions by 49,818 lots uh, over the last reporting week, leaving it with a net long position of 311,659 lots yeah. uh, as of last Tuesday. So it doesn't seem to have stopped them on those yeah, positions. Yeah, it could be not but... everyone's buying the, the sort of hyper-negative outlook for uh, for the rest of the year. But let's it's, see, just, yeah. it's just a pause. Yeah. I think it does seem, with that, that that figure there, it does seem more of a pause of, we, we got to the high 70 levels, we dropped straight down against below 70 with all those concerns again with, with the virus. Uh, and now we have popped back up to, we hit around those mid-levels. So we've had the month roll and we've in the low 70s again. So it seems to have somewhat range-bound between that, the 70 and 80 bucks. Uh, I know we noted that Goldman's thinks it's going to hit 80 bucks fairly soon. So that seems a, a fairly decent range bound uh, level of where we're going to be. But focusing on a, a few more other statistics. So the EIA did report last week, this was just after we recorded the podcast, uh, of a 4.1 million barrel draw in crude levels, uh, a draw in both gasoline and distillates, 2.3 and 3.1 respectively, and a very high refinery utilization of 91.1%. So very good figures there and loads of drawdown on both things. It seemed like demand was coming back from what you can see from those figures uh, out of any other context. The API this week, however, um, seems much more mixed. Mm, uh, crude yeah. inventories falling by 879,000. Uh, we're going to have much less 
of than the 3 million which was predicted by other market participants. And then if you look at something like Cushing on the other side on the West Coast, they think that stocks are going to be increasing this week. Yeah. So, you know, that will definitely be the first increase since early June. Wow. So we're definitely something to watch later on today where those figures do come out, whether that's actually reported. Um, and a, another one to watch on those products as well, whether we actually get um, what is predicted, you know, quite significant falls, 5.75 million and 7 million there on the distillates for gasoline distillates respectively on those two. So looks like a pause on what's happening on crude. Those have impacted fuel oil prices down a little bit on things. But if you're looking at the physical market as well, that has also been reflected in a kind of Eastern markets and European markets have both dropped down uh, with the, the drop in crude. We've also seen loads of really good supplies, ample supply in uh, South Korea and very low sulfur fuel oil and low sulfur marine gas oil, which has also added to that problem uh, of it. Lastly, the Americas doesn't seem to be as affected where prices have kind of stood still and been very range bound. Um, mm. Some did track down on, on the drop down in, in crude, but this is more of a tempering of what happened to the week prior to the last podcast where they did see some... Uh, heavy yeah. losses made in those fuel products beforehand. But uh, that's what we're seeing. I think it'd be a lot more interesting when next week, whether those EIA figures start to take a, a turn. Exactly. But carry exactly. the freight to finish off for the week. Yeah, well, the Cape size market had looked fairly negative at this time last week. Um, although I believe on the podcast, we had pointed out that the upcoming weather disruptions could be a factor in supporting the market. And indeed, typhoon related congestion in China and fears of it saw the market on paper jump last Wednesday and Thursday, took the physical indices up with it. Uh, by the end of the last week, the C5 had soared impressively to uh, the mid-15s per metric ton for that West Australia-China iron ore route. The C3 Brazil-China had approached $29 per metric ton. Uh, as the typhoon passed, however, so did some of the bullishness on that physical market. Indeed, some of the indices were starting to fall by Monday, with the C5 back down to the mid-14s by yesterday. Uh, the C3 has remained a lot steadier. Um, that's against a fairly thin-looking baluster list. The paper, however, has managed to consolidate its gains despite a mild sell-off on Friday. And today, CEP, uh, the CEP uh, 5TC average is trading at 39750 value, according to FIS Live. That's nearly $6,000 up on the Tuesday close of a week ago, while Q4 is valued at 36250 Panamax's initially continued their steady drift into late last week, but from Monday, we've seen a renewed burst of optimism. In the Pacific Basin, a busy Indonesia market has kept things moving along, and both the P5 and P3A showed positive yesterday on the indices. In the Atlantic, we've seen a few fresh mineral cargoes uh, coming out of the U.S. East Coast, along with some additional grain stems from North Coast South America. That seems to have kept the tone positive. Uh, all of the indices in the green again yesterday, and the paper has bounced quite strongly over the last few days with the SEP contracts trading 33875 this morning, over $5,000 off the lows of last Tuesday's close, and the Q4 valued at 30025 this morning. So seeming that that Cape market is the only one who's our gainer of the week, and whether that's going to be impacted by those iron ore falls. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And, uh, and of course, it's, it's always dangerous to try and exactly correlate the iron ore price with the Cape price, they can operate inversely, of course, um, with with uh, lower iron ore prices encouraging some spot buying by the Chinese mills. So let's see. 
Cool. I'd be one to uh, watch for uh, next week. Yeah. But uh, Cape's the only gainer of the week of our main markets we focused in uh, week on week, obviously podcast to podcast. And the new carbon contracts, so do get in touch if you would like some more information on that and start trading things. Uh, big thing with shipping being included in January 2023. 20, very so. much so, very much so. So anyone with questions about how the shipping EUA requirements are going to work, please do contact us. Uh, or anyone who has a social conscience and wants to make their company exactly. green. Exactly, voluntarily green. So, yeah. Cool. But everyone else who's listening, uh, thank you again to Theo and Kerry for joining. And anyone uh, will join us next week for uh, another podcast on our main markets and uh, keeping up to date and watching those carbon markets and whether the iron ore will continue. It's $20 <laughs> for again week on week uh, and whether we have an impact in that cake market. But uh, hopefully listen in next week again. And uh, thank you again. 